you know, great players win multiple titles. So that was always my goal. A lot of energy built zero, up zero. both players. Can't wait to get this game underway. Well, that's a very high percentage shot there from Jeremy Dude. Hits that about eight inches high, rides the wall, and hit it about 80 miles per hour. Hello and welcome to episode four of the We Are Handball podcast, where handball matters more. This week, sadly, a dark cloud has been cast over our beloved sport in Ireland, in the United States and beyond with the sudden tragic news of the passing of David Chapman, one of the greatest icons the sport has ever produced. Next week we'll be taking a closer look at the career of the great man, the man known to his many uh, admirers in the States as the great one, TGO they call him. We hope to get Paul Brady on next week and maybe one of David's many friends in the States will join us to look back on the career of this amazing man and amazing handballer. Next week we will also be taking an in-depth look at the recent 60 30 Championship with Mead recording a fantastic win over Dublin in the All-Ireland Senior Doubles Final last Saturday night. In the minor final, Tipperary beat Galway in another fantastic game which was played to a very high standard. So we'll be talking about that as well when we get more time to reflect. This week we'll be catching up with Martin Mulcairns from Galway and Jermyn Nash from Clare. But first we're going to take a quick look back at David Chapman's sad passing and his amazing handball career. What would winning the national singles title mean to you? Anytime. Anytime. All right. Winning the national title this year has been been my biggest goal in, in my handball career because of losing last year. I've trained as hard as I could for this Nationals, and, and I really want this one bad. I've, I've played as much as I can play and trained as hard as I can train, so this is, this is very, very important to me. One other question. We, had your, we were talking to your dad a little earlier. Your dad was the guy who introduced you to handball and who gave you your first, uh, he was your first coach, really. Right. Does he still give you advice, and do you listen? Yeah, I ask him for advice still. Once in a while, you know, when he when he's watching, I'll say, "What do you What do you think I'm doing wrong, or what could I do to improve?" And he's always got a good answer for me. He still he still is is probably the best coach I have right now. He he knows my game better than anybody does, and uh, I can ask him anything, and he's always got a good answer to give me. So that was David Chapman speaking to the journalist Ben Tom in 1995. He went on to win that US Nationals title and it's very poignant now looking back, especially when you hear him speaking about his dad Fred. Handball of course is one of the great father and son games and so many of the great handballers have been introduced to the game by their dads and it's always very sad and poignant when a father outlives his son. It's absolutely stunning to think that David Chapman is gone I spent this morning looking back for a piece in the Irish Examiner and researching David Chapman's career and I started by talking about the announcement that popped up online a couple of months ago that said that Chapman, one of the greatest players of all time, was confirmed to enter an outdoor tournament at the Stratosphere Hotel on the Strip in Las Vegas. And when the pictures emerged showing him fighting fit, the handball community was buzzing. Chapman was a child prodigy who became the biggest name in the sport and a nine-time US champion and it was his unique methodical style that made him so amazing. 
On Wednesday last, the earth-shattering news came that he was gone. The word began to filter through slowly that age 42, David Chapman had joined Michael Duxie Walsh by passing away, if not in their prime, but very, very close to it. As of now, and it seems almost crude to speak about it, we don't know the cause of death with David. An autopsy has to be performed, and I suppose that mystery that surrounds his demise is almost in keeping with the Chapman legend. His uncanny anticipation, his nerveless poise, his ability to whip the elite athletes, even when he wasn't in top shape himself, saw him attain a status that was almost mythical in the game. He was asked about that in a 1995 interview for Sports Illustrated, and he said... Some people say it's a sixth sense, but I don't know about that. I think it comes from spending so much time on the court. Interestingly, David Chapman's ancestors supposedly came from Kinlalek, which is a rural village in Cavan, which has actually a 6 by 30 handball court, and it's only a few miles down the road from Mullahorn, where Paul Brady comes from. Chapman's trajectory in his career was absolutely freakish. He was the first player to win five junior age groups in the US Nationals, regularly competing at a division or two above himself during that run. In 1989, at the age of 14, he won the Open Singles in the US Nationals, which back in the day was the division just below the Pro Singles. It was very hotly contested at that time, which was an absolutely phenomenal achievement. Sports Illustrated talked about his his incredible style of play, that he would conserve energy and dictate the, play, the pace, and he did that by perfecting a frustrating slow lob serve which clung to the sidewall, and these deadweight dump shots which neutralised the power of the young, powerful gunslingers that he faced. Sports Illustrated said, On the court he is described as the youngest 50-year-old around. And I I remember reading one time where Chapman was asked his philosophy in handball and what advice he would give to young players, and he summed it up in three words. He said, Don't power serve. There was another famous story of a time that Chapman went shooting with Tommy Burnett, the famous coach from Missouri University. He had a farm and he brought him out to shoot. Chapman had never held a gun before and he quizzed Burnett about the mechanics of the rifle then he put it to his shoulder and started shooting and he hit the target repeatedly Tommy Burnett told Sports Illustrated in that article I've been shooting for years but the kid outshot me all of these things added to the aura when I was growing up a rumour went around that David Chapman was a member of Mensa and that he spent four hours a day practising on the court it didn't matter if it was true or not all of this stuff added to the legend and it spooked other players his defining characteristic was his supreme self-confidence. Looks-wise, he said, I'm not as fit as any of the other pros on the tour, but in terms of conditioning, I feel like I'm in the top three. And I think that, more than anything, was what really spooked people. Here was a guy who didn't look athletic, and yet he had this uncanny ability to read the game, to make shots. He was so confident. His backwall game was the best ever. He had it all. He retired a couple of times. He came back. And in recent weeks, he had been competing, competing very strongly and actually excelled at the recent Las Vegas tournament. So, all we can say is that we send out our regards to his friends and family. David Chapman is in our thoughts this week, and we will look closer at his astonishing career on next week's podcast. Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined on the line now from Galway by the newly crowned All-Ireland 6 by 30 Intermediate Singles and Doubles Champion, Martin Mulcairns. Martin, you're very welcome to the We Are Handball podcast. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks very much. I suppose, Martin, I wanted to get you on to talk about your recent Big Alley success and your upcoming trip to Africa, but we can't really proceed without talking about the 
the tragic and devastating news of the death of David Chapman I was looking online earlier on to try and find some photographs of him for a piece I was writing and I came across a picture of yourself and Dave Chapman uh, from a few months back so you were familiar with him you've met him a few times and I suppose like everyone else you're, you're probably very shocked by the news Yes, look, it was, um, to be honest, it was a, definitely a big shock to me. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, I, I suppose with the way the world has gone, a lot of us see things now and, and hear about things on, on social media. And, and, you know, I just was just online for a few minutes and, and saw someone writing, you know, tagging Dave in it, uh, rest in peace or something like that. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't think it was true. But um, sadly, you know, and since then we it's obviously been confirmed that he has passed away and and as you said you know i i was fortunate enough to uh meet dave only only once actually i i've would you believe it's um i suppose he hasn't been playing as much over the last few years and you know on the pro tour at the tournaments that i would have been at him but i did get to play him in in 2014 in um in houston in texas that was the or maybe we met as well another time in Idaho, but I actually got to play him in Houston in Texas where that photo was taken in 2014. And, um, you know, he, he taught me a lesson that day as he, as he has many a handballer. And um, I was actually speaking to Dave Vincent there uh, yesterday or the day before. And I think that have been, might have been one of the last four wall tournaments he's played. But as, as I'm sure you're aware and a lot of people are aware, he, he played the crossover event in Vegas only a few weeks ago. And, you know, came second overall of all the players in it and as Dave Vincent had said you know the the Cordova brothers are in it Armando Ortiz David Fink and you know Timbo Gonzalez all these guys are in it there just to name a few and and you know for him to come out uh, in second place at 42 years of age just gives a an indication of how an, an unbelievable player that he was and um, as I said I was privileged to get to play against him that time in 2014 and um you know, it's, it's just terrible news. Terrible news and terrible, um, I suppose, on a personal level, but also uh, no more than the death of Duxie Walsh, a, a terrible tragedy for the sport when any, any icon passes away. So uh, all his family and friends will be in our thoughts and prayers at the minute. On a personal level, Martin, um, congratulations are in order after you picked up not one but two All-Ireland titles in recent weeks. How are you feeling after that? I know it was a goal that you had in the last couple of years to, to get over the line in the intermediate, so to win the double must be a sweet feeling. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Paul. Um, it's it's been a, a few years in the in the making. Um, I was lucky enough, I suppose, straight out of minor in the forty by twenty. I I up I um, got promoted to the senior ranks in my at nineteen, and you know I think I was in the big alley final that year as well in intermediate. But you know I came up against CJ Fitzpatrick that year and and got a good beating in it. And then another year I played uh, Gary McConnell in the final that went to a tiebreaker, but. Apart from the first game, Gary was much the better player that day as well. And you know, unfortunately, didn't get over the line twice with Ali Conway. We we lost to Kieran Neary and Timmy Clifford one year in a final, and then another year against the Jim and um, Mikey Berry. You know, who were very strong as well. So came up, came short. You know, four times, two singles and two doubles. And um, you know, this year was delighted to team up with Pat Conway and um, in the doubles and. You know, we had another tough game there. We found ourselves 16-4 down in the first game, actually, and um, battled hard to come back. And, and then last week against J.P. O'Connor from Limerick in the singles. Um, you know, a good year, definitely. And, um, 
I'm glad that just a bit of a relief nearly at this stage just to, to get out of it yeah I suppose the, having the big alley in, in uh, Mike Cullen must have been a help to you Martin uh, that alley has only been open in the last few years as far as I know it must have been great not to have to travel for games and you're able to train there uh, close to home Look, to be honest, that's probably the, the main factor in it. Um, other years I was playing quite a, a bit as well, but we had to, as you said, we had to travel to William and Williamstown was the nearest course. So that that's a hundred mile round trip for us. So when I was playing the minors and and those intermediates, we were going to Williamstown twice or three times a week, or maybe down to Mullingar or, or other rallies to play games. And you know, they're, they're massive journeys to be making for training. Um, but look, we're so lucky now be able to go down in the evening and, and train in our own alley and, and obviously you're going to have to travel still to, to get training games and, and, and things like that but to be able to go down and practice shots or even train with my brother Jerma there and, and his doubles partner Keno Canila and you know Ricky O'Gara and, and Damian Martin were down and I think Joe and Desi were down as well you know so it's great to be able to play those games in your own alley without having to travel and I think that probably was the single greatest factor in um I suppose getting over the line this year, and it, it was fantastic for for uh, Galway Hamble. They won the junior doubles, which I know only too well. That the, the boys beat us well in the junior doubles final. Kevin Craddock and Declan Connaughton. You had the minor doubles, Jeremy and Keane, as you said. So a fantastic year for Galway in the big alley, but particularly for the for the Gaeltacht area for Connemara and Hamble is also going very well out in the, on the Aran Islands. Hamble is really doing very well over in the west, isn't it? Oh, oh definitely. Definitely, and, and I would like to just, you know, commiserations to yourself on, on that final, but, you know, obviously for Galway to win the junior doubles, a, a fantastic achievement for Kevin and Declan as well. Um, you know, Kevin's been in a lot of finals at this stage in the junior. He's been knocking on the door there for a few years, so um, I think, you know, that's very much deserved for him and for Declan. And um, I'm sure, actually, that they'll give the intermediate a fair run next year. And... Um, yeah, as you said, the Gaeltacht as well, Connemara and the Islands and Mike Cotton all doing well. And I think, Paul, Galway handball has definitely come on so much since I started handball. Um, I think when when I started in around 2004, 2005, um, really it was only Mike Cullen and Williamstown that had juveniles. And shortly after we started up again, uh, Michal Brannock had... Um, juvenile coaching again and you had great players like Fintan O'Currine who's now playing for Galway you know he won in the 16 singles All-Ireland and, and you know since then we've had great success as well and I think a, a reflection of that would be that maybe if there were only two or three clubs registered with Galway with juvenile players in, in 2004 or 5 I think the last year there were 14 so that that would give an indication of where Galway has come in a in a 12-13 year period yeah and, and the the success that they're getting is proof of that and very well deserved there, there was a great clip doing the rounds on, on social media Martin where uh, the TG Carrick cameras went down to the Mulcairn's household I suppose with yourself and Jeremy <laughs> playing finals in Crow Park it was, a, it was a real novelty but maybe you tell me how that came about it was very professionally done and even though it was a scale guy I picked up the odd word here and there and it was very, a very enjoyable little feature maybe you tell me a bit about how that came about yeah, well, look at you know yourself with the handball. It's 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 not often that it gets publicity on on the television. Probably not as much as it deserves. Or um, you know, it's been a few years since we've had the TG Cahar uh, show, the handball show on TG Cahar. But I suppose how that came about, really, Paul, is um, you know it's been a great year for Galway GA in general. With the you know German won the minor handball on the singles on the Saturday. And then the Galway hurlers were playing on the Sunday, obviously, and that was such a 
fantastic weekend for us to be able to go to Club Park and handball on the Saturday and the hurling on the Sunday and um, you know I think it, it really from, it, the show kind of stemmed from there really because or the clip because um, you know German got called into Pierce Stadium he got invited in by Galway GA um, the county board for the homecoming on the Monday which was fantastic so he got to be behind the barriers as such and do an interview with Galway BFM and you know meet Pat McDonough and Grania Shoig and the Galway Miners and and the Galway Seniors after that and he ended, he actually ended up going on the David Burke and some of the other senior players actually brought him on the team bus over to Salt Hill Hotel so Brilliant. I can imagine that was a, an exciting few minutes for him but I think the show kind of came from there you know that Galway done so well that weekend and, and TG Carr became aware of the fact that German had won and they said maybe because we were in some uh, Gaeltic area as well that they were interested in it and um but it just took a week or two for it to actually materialise, or three weeks. And, um, you know, so it was very well done. They came down to the handball alley initially, and we filmed a few shots there, and then we went back to the house, and Jeremy spoke about uh, the the handball and, and winning the minor singles this year. And, and then I suppose a lot of the show, or a lot of that clip on TG Carr focused on, on my trip coming up to, I'm going to Uganda two weeks, from Tuesday on Halloween so a lot of it was based on that as well Yeah so I wanted to ask you about that as well so um, you mentioned to me off air that you're going to Uganda and it's on, it's sort of linked to your studies is it? it's an agricultural sort of a place but did, did you say that there might be a chance that, that there might have some sort of a handball out there, wall out there as well Yes so it is the, the main purpose of the trip is um, so agriculture is what I studied in, in UCD and in college and this trip kind of came about through through connections in that area and um, uh, so I'm heading off as I said on, on Tuesday Tuesday fortnight to a small village called Adra north north Uganda really near the Congo and Sudan borders so um, but they have an agricultural college there and it'll be mainly teaching courses that'll be doing but um, brother Tony Dolan is the, the main man there he, he actually used to play a bit of football for Leitrim back in his day and um, he he was very interested in the handball so I was telling him about the different codes we play and that you know one wall is very easy to set up so at the moment they play at the college they have netball and volleyball so cheap kind of games so he was very interested in the one wall and they're actually hoping to have a wall built before I get there so you know in the evening times or at the weekend, we're hoping that we'll be able to do a bit of coaching with them in the, in the one wall and get them introduced to the game. So, fair play to, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank um, Leah in Max Sports, who's kindly gen, um, sponsored some one wall balls, as have GA handball. So, I'd like to just thank both parties there for for their generosity and as well to all the people that have donated any money to me for this trip. Um, that'll go towards helping the people there and maybe building this wall and, and other little projects out there. So I'd just like to thank all those people at this time. Absolutely. And anyone who's listening, feel free to get in touch with Martin if you want to dig deep and donate for a very worthy, worthy cause. Martin, I want to say thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Congratulations again on your on your recent achievements and safe travels and the very best of luck in Africa. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by one of the best-known handballers in the country and one of the best handballers in the country as well, Jeremy Nash from Clare. 
Jimmer, you're very welcome to the We Are Handball podcast. Thanks, Paul. Good to be on. Good man. Jeremy, I was looking at the press release that was issued for the Phonocab Golden Gloves, which is coming up in Belfast at the end of this month, and I was delighted to see your name is in the draw. Um, so I presume you're you're training hard, looking looking forward to getting back into competitive 4 be 20 action. Uh, yeah, no, re, uh, really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, training hard. Uh, I was kind of doing exams there until about two weeks ago, so... Basically, up until then, I was, I was doing a small bit, but nothing too major. But um, since then, it's been kind of all systems go. So, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, just like, even just getting back in playing was great. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to the first tournament as well, because so you've, got the, you've got the gloves at the end of October, and then four weeks onto that, then you got the, the Irish National. So loads of handball, which is great. Will you tell me a little bit about your exams? So I, I, know, I know that... The job that you're in, I presume, is very time-consuming, and it's it's probably a pressurized environment as well. What sort of hours were you putting into studying for the exams? I suppose it's very hard to, to combine handball with that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, so I guess basically it's like you know they're the actual exams, but they're like any professional exams, I suppose, but uh, like accountancy or whatever. Like, but uh, it's you know I didn't do uh, an exam back. Like so, they're on twice a year. So they're on in April and September. Um, so I didn't do an exam in April because of, I was training. Like basically, that'd be kind of the main kind of forty twenty season for me. So uh, you know, then I kind of decided then that I do two in September because I had missed out on one. Like so, I only had three left. So I said I do two in September. Um, so that's kind of I kind of suppose like a lot of people would tend to just do you know one at a time if you know what I mean. Um, so. Because I kind of like, I kind of I found it difficult in the past to kind of mix and match both studying and handball. Because you always kind of feel like you're, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. Like you know, you're so if you're training too much, you kind of feel like you're not studying enough, and if you're studying too much, you feel like you're not training enough, and this kind of thing. So um, that was so I put a fair bit of I put a really good effort into the exam then in September, given because I kind of I wasn't really playing any. I didn't really, you know, I mean, there was no opportunity handball. On, well, it was the, the U.S. Nationals, but I decided not to go to them. Um, so it was basically, and basically, the the four or twenty season is predominantly over by May, anyways. You know, like, you know, um, so it was just like, in terms of like uh, trying to combine stuff, I, I just basically took some time off of handball, really, and was just like any trying to just you know, in terms of training and stuff like it was doing a bit in the gym and stuff and maybe going for the odd run but nothing crazy like just very kind of trying to keep some bit of you know physical fitness kind of thing like so since they've been finished then I've tried I've been playing a bit of catch up but um, so yeah like I mean it's yeah I, I guess it, it's everybody's different you know what I mean but I find it kind of quite difficult to kind of like you know because you're working as well like it's not like you're getting tight like you get you get some study days but you don't get like it's not like you get few months off to study for the exam so it's kind of like you're studying in the evenings um, predominantly in the weekends and stuff um, so that's kind of more like as in as I was trying to put in as good effort as I could for the exam so hopefully I passed my name, so. <laughs> yeah well hopefully the best of luck with that the, um, so would it be right in saying the last competitive match you played would have been the, the All-Ireland Senior Doubles final then back in April or so yeah yeah exactly yeah against Paul and Michael 
suppose it was a disappointing note to end the season on after after a great run through the doubles. Will you be teaming up again with Colin now for twenty eighteen for the doubles, or have you mind you up in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I thought we played, we I thought we played actually not too bad, like in terms of the day, but um, you know, we just like, I mean, Paul and Michael have won like eleven of them now at this stage, or something. I think it's ten or eleven, eleven maybe. Yeah. But like, you know, they're, they're you know, they're really good. Like, um, and we knew growing up that we could, like, you know, we'd have to play over our skins um, to to kind of put it up to them, and you know, as in like, like a kind of. We kind of let the. I won't say we let the first one go, but it was we were sixteen all. I think or sixteen seventeen the first one, and we had serve. And I remember kind of they got like we had a chat, maybe a chance or two then to kind of you know, push on to get to eighteen, um, and we didn't take that. And basically they got back in, and um, they're you know I mean they're very very good. So it was kind of like even though like we lost, I suppose we kind of felt like we didn't really leave it after us and such like you know in terms of like. Like we gave it a fair a fair shot, um, but it just like the guys were just better in the day, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in terms of for next year, like we haven't even haven't even thought of it. But yeah, I presume so. Like you know, like we're I haven't talked to Colin. Well, like I mean, like they haven't talked to him. I haven't really we haven't really played any games since I got back playing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I assume so. Like you know, as in like we'll we kind of come to that like whenever like is in like the, I, I basically have to see, we'll have to see what the what way the championship is run again because like last year was quite good in that you know you basically had your singles championship was predominantly done and then you had your doubles you know as opposed to in previous years gone where you'd have to mix and match and it's probably a lot harder to train for them where they found this year or like sorry when I said this year I mean just the year gone past uh, the fact that the singles championship was over um and then you were able to just kind of completely focus on doubles and like really train properly for doubles as opposed to you know sometimes like you know you kind of go in and you kind of wouldn't have played doubles you might have played one or two the only games that kind of training doubles would have been like you know maybe a doubles tournament kind of you might have played back in November or something or is it, you know as in the majority of people are training for the singles events and it can be hard to organise four guys to come to a court all at one time and this kind of stuff like yeah. um so it was just like I, I yeah, I guess that the, I would hope that they would keep the same structure again. But I mean, yeah, I, I assume we'll go at it. Like I mean, we do. Like we kind of had a quick chat two weeks or a week after that, the final. Like and kind of talk about what went wrong and what went right and stuff. And you know, like the, you know, we we'll just hopefully get back there again. I suppose there's a lot of you know, you have to get through a lot of rounds to get there. And I think we might have had four or five games. I can't remember. But and then when we get back there again, you know, then you can kind of just see, you know, I'm trying to rectify some mistakes and what I made. But like, you know, we, we'll see how that goes. Like, and um, so would you outline your schedule for the year as you're looking at it? So you're going to play the Golden Gloves. You're, you mentioned the Irish Nationals. Do you see yourself uh, traveling to the States for any tournaments this year, Jeremy? Uh, I do actually. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I, I basically, I guess the way to describe my year will be probably revolving around the Irish Championships and stuff like as in um, and at the moment we don't have a claw in terms of like I don't actually know when the Irish Championships are being on I have a fair idea of when it was on from last year but you know it's I don't have exact dates um, so it's very I can't really com- you know you could, I can't really commit to a, a US handball tournament kind of because hypothetically I could have 
you know, well, like, I mean, I could, I, was, I could go to the one in, in November, at the start of November in Tucson, but I mean, in terms of after Christmas, it's very hard to commit to an event without knowing exactly what dates. I mean, like, because you could be playing championship that weekend, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess, like, my focus would be on the Irish championship. Um, but I, I do, I would like to go. Um, like, I mean, you've got, so you got, I won't be going to Tucson, but uh, you'll have got, like, there's Montana in January, there's Las Vegas in February, I think it goes Houston, then New York, and then maybe Salt Lake City, I think that's the run. Um, so I would hope to go, uh, I'd hope to go to basically, um, I'd hope to go to, but it'll have to revolve kind of around the Irish Championships, is kind of the way. Yeah. I think, like, I, I, I play Golden Gloves, play uh, Irish Nationals. There's usually maybe one or two tournaments on then around the start of December. And then there's the Gaffney, obviously. I hope that's going to come back up again. Um, and then it, I don't know what way they're kind of going to run because in terms of, I don't know if there's going to be like provincial championships or this, but like it's in basically once I get a claw, I'll be able to plan out. Like I mean, I would, I, I, I think I will try and get to one of the. I think I might try and get to one in Montana at the, in January, but that's assuming that the championships doesn't start until February kind of thing like the way you, it did this year but yeah. um, we'll see like I mean it's, it really is I mean until you get a kind of a clear you, you know the fixtures or you know when it's going to be on it's kind of hard to say but that's kind of I have a kind of a, a broad outline of what, I, what I'll be playing yeah and um <coughs> I, I wondered to myself do you still play Horland Jamie? I know I know you played a lot of Horland growing up and uh, even at county level down at Clare are you playing any club Horland at the minute or uh, is it something that you'd like to get back to if you're not yeah well uh, like, uh, up to this year no like this year sorry I did not play uh, I didn't play any Horland this year mainly because uh, of the exams actually really because I kind of like every I've played basically every year up until this summer gone where and even this summer, I was basically kind of hoping that, really, you know, the way club championships happen in, in counties, like where basically if your county team goes really far, then, you know, the club championship gets put back, basically. Yeah, sure. So I was kind of hoping that Clare would kind of would go really far this year and that the club championship would be put on in October and I'd be able to play then, that kind of thing. But um, that didn't work out, unfortunately. And I missed the club championship this year because I kind of... I just had in my head about focusing on the exams so um, like, but yeah like up until then like I've played yeah I absolutely love playing hurling um, like it's you know people have asked me about like you know what you know it's just in terms of like it's so much you know it's just a real like handball is, is great and stuff and you, but you do really need to be really kind of disciplined kind of training on your own whereas like hurling training is so much more enjoyable kind of event if you know what I mean because you're you're with the lads you know you grow up with and stuff like and there's a bit more practice where you know especially like club hurling obviously county training and stuff like it's probably the most crack to that but um, yeah like it's it's great it's, it's you know it's a fantastic game um, but like yeah so up until this year I played every year um, and I do hope to get back playing yeah it just basically like I'm from Clare like I said so I'd be playing like as in it was just like if I was living at Clare I could I could probably have played and done the exam here, you know, but I just kind of found it going home every you know most of the weekends or whatever you know for games or training or whatever, and then you know like I, it's kind of hard you know I suppose you could kind of train with a club up in Dublin, which I have done I had done in the past during the week and stuff, um, but it's just it's not really the same, and I just kind of found it kind of tiring kind of 
trying to get studying and then playing hurling at the weekends as well. Um, Do you find really it, com- it complements your handball when you are when you are hurling? Um, well, I, I guess it, it, they're well, like when I was growing up, let's say so. I w- they would have been kind of completely different seasons, and would have been one of the main reasons why I never really played in the big alley was because. Well, like the only big I would have played big alley, but without any training really, was because the like, hurling was on for a majority of the summer months um, when big alley was on. Whereas the forward fifty was kind of over, you know, before kind of the hurling kind of really kicked into gear. Um, but so I've kind of in ways they kind of segregated seasons, um, but they, they they do like I mean they do complement each other. I mean like I, I always found if I was playing handball. I always hurled way better in terms of like hand-eye coordination and stuff like that. Like you know, in terms of like kind of to catch a ball and that kind of thing. Like as in, you know, you're just you're just sharper because like you're basically after falling around this ball that's going, you know, this ball, a real small blue ball that's flying around the court. Like so, then you know, a slitter looks way bigger. Yeah. When you come, it's coming at you, kind of thing. Like you know, um, but uh, yeah. So I, I mean, like. You know, I would have played in college and stuff like and that and all the way up, you know, Fitzgibbon and whatever. Like I always found that, you know, I could play a handball game. I could play a handball game and then maybe the next day I could play, go out and play a hurling game. Um but I always found it like I mean, you know, hypothetically, you know, if you got, you know, a knock in a hurling game, you know, you might be sore for about four days kind of thing, whereas handball is non contact. So it was all I, I used to find it easy to kinda of go from handball to a hurling game, let's say, and I would I would have done that. Like I would have played one like on a Saturday at handball and played a hurling match on Sunday. But if I found I played a hurling match on a Saturday, I could you know you'd be just sore going into the yeah. handball match on the Sunday kind of thing, just because yeah. you're getting knocks and stuff like that. Like and I suppose I was, I suppose I was kind of mainly in the backs as well. So you're probably that's probably dishing out the punishment rather than <laughs> giving it or getting it. But at the same time, then like you know you're kind of. You're you're looking for the contact with the forward and the host to kind of try to get away from the kind of thing, like you know. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, they they I would highly recommend in terms of when you're listening in terms of just cross training, I suppose, like in terms of as well because hurling as well, you know, like stuff like it, it did really help in terms of uh, like stuff like you know the physical fitness. So if you were trained, like we used to train with NUIG or whoever, let's say, you know what I mean. You're training in the winter months, let's say. Just like it's kind of a hard slog training, you know what I mean? So then, like it kind of meant that you didn't really need to do any kind of cardio training for handball, if you know what I mean. It was just kind of, and it was kind of easy to train, kind of as a group. Whereas there's probably nothing. I would depends on the person, but I would consider there's nothing more unenjoyable than to go for like you know a really long run kind of thing like that on your own. You know, it's it's not a very maybe you can put the earphones in and stuff like that but, and it, you feel good after but kind of thing like whereas you know if there's a gr- group of 25 doing all these sprints up a hill or whatever you know that's a lot I always found the kind of the camaraderie of, of hurling training was a real boost because it just meant you know you weren't doing all the sessions on your own because you know on handball you do a lot of you know there's a lot of things like going into the court on your own spending time which I really like doing don't get me wrong but it, it doesn't hurt to have uh, some people you know, doing doing some of the training with you either, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's, that's the way I kind of look at it. And it's interesting that you mentioned Big Ali, and um, I suppose I'm conscious on the podcast that a friend of mine who doesn't play handball listened to the podcast, and he said, "Why does every conversation, be it about a, a particular game or a particular shots, 
always turn into in handball a, a big state of the nation debate about the state of the game what we need to do and I think there's a bit of negativity out there but I, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, on where you think the game is at and, and um, how you think the game is developing do you, do you think the game is in a healthy position in handball or is there anything that you'd like to see being done differently that might bring it on a bit yeah um like, I guess it depends what you'd consider it relative to it. Well, you know, in terms of whether it's a healthy position or not. Like, in terms of, you know, like, I think these things kind of go through phases in terms of, like, so, for example, it's probably it's 100% not as successful or in the healthiest spot as it probably was in the 1980s when the game was on top eight, you know, and all this kind of thing. Like, but it's probably in a significantly better position than it was in the 90s when the game basically fell off the earth you know kind of as in like so in terms of like I think you know it kind of goes through like peaks and troughs a bit um, and that's where we're at now I probably, we're, not probably, we're probably at a more kind of you know middle ground than kind of the 80s or not as high definitely as the 80s but definitely not as low as the 90s kind of thing like um, like so like yeah I guess I guess there's probably a bit there's probably some bit of a kind of like you know there's probably a bit of I wouldn't say friction but kind of like there's a kind of a you know games evolve and stuff like this you know and things and there's probably one side of the debate is about you know you need to protect your traditional games and stuff like that and promote them and then there's probably another side of the debate which is basically about you know like one wall or this kind of thing or things to innovate and these are this is the way forward in terms of moving it kind of you know getting to Olympics or something like that you know as in like which you know, it kind of depends. You know, in terms of what you like, you want from your sport. I suppose, like, um, how do you how do you make it better? Um, it's a very hard thing to do. You know, in terms of like to kind of please everybody. Like, I mean, the Crow Park in terms of send out a survey, but or a questionnaire. I suppose about trying to like you know. I would have sort out the claw and uh, probably I, I listened to the first podcast which was kind of about that it was about you know you know Tony and, and Seamus about trying to you know fit in all these events into a calendar year um, like you know, it's it's I don't know, it basically like we have a kind of a, a, a kind of a sport which is more like you know tennis or squash really in the kind of fact that you know it's more tournament based um, but we're kind of under kind of a GAA structure in terms of you know you have your all-earning championships and you kind of play through your club and your county and that's the kind of the way you know but it's in like realistically like you know you could probably run off a lot of these like these championships maybe over a much more smaller period of time kind of thing because you know it's not a like it's not like Gaelic football or whatever where you know if you play like if Mayo played Dublin and they tried to play Mayo and like Dublin won by a point but they did two teams without the following day and tried to play each other like they'd hardly be able to walk you know in terms yeah. of like it's just not the same like some sports like you know and, and it, it, like it's not just handball in terms of like there's other sports in like American stuff where you know they're basically the number of like let's say for example you know basketball and stuff like is in like there's 82 games in the NBA season which is completely archaic like you know in terms of it's it relates to a bygone era but it's because that's the way they did it in the past and that's the way they should be doing it now even though nowadays like guys are way faster way stronger you know it's way much more attritional on the body you know there's all these things that have changed but the the structure in which they face is the same 
And I think, you know, handball is kind of somewhat similar into that in terms of, like, you know, you kind of need to, I don't know, is it kind of like a co-part thing or is it kind of a, you know, you need a kind of an independent body to look at the kind of the overall uh, structure of the sport. But um, it's, there's probably more questions than answers kind of thing to that. But um, I think, it, I, going back to your original point, I think it's in a, uh, I think it's a kind of in a, I won't say kind of a, it's a kind of in a middle ground in terms of popularity. So I think it had a lot of popularity there maybe, you know, like maybe the last few years and I think definitely the social media aspect like in terms of just like I don't know if people are watching it but like the, the Facebook live coverage of the games is absolutely and either or even whoever's like WTH and the guys like in terms of you know trying to get the games like exposed like it's just like phenomenal compared to like I, I have some DVDs of Duxy versus uh, guys back in like you know you can hardly see the ball like yeah. they just fall on their hands you know so, <laughs> so that, that kind of stuff like is in like has improved exponentially you know what I mean um, but it's it's no more than you know like how do you how do you describe what's a good sport or a bad sport like like a snooker in a, a way worse spot now because less people tune in to watch the world snooker final or is snooker in a more healthy spot now because more people have been trying to play it kind of thing you know so I think more people are probably in Ireland anyway like in the numbers of people that are playing I would say definitely compared to the 90s have increased anyways um, and like I mean that to me is probably more of a sign of a healthy sport than you know whether you know it's, it's on TV or something I don't know I, like you know it's kind of Hard to, hard to know. Yeah, yeah. The big question is: Are you looking for mass participation, or are you looking for sort of a, an elite showcase? But we can we can debate that one all day. Listen, I, I want to say thanks very much to to Jeremy Nash for joining us on the We Are Handball podcast, and the very best of luck for the the remainder of the season, Jeremy.